You got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. There's a lot of standing going on. A lot of issues people are standing for. And they're very adamant about what they stand for. But may I say today, it doesn't matter as much if you stand for something, but it's for who you stand for. And the strength of your standing is found in the one that you represent when you stand. This morning, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. This will not be a political message. I, will, I would be lying to you if I didn't say my heart has been very burdened this week over our country, over our community, uh, over just the general atmosphere of our culture. And I have looked at every place. I have looked to preach an imprecatory message this morning. I have looked for great and powerful scripture to really lash out at what we perceive or attacks in our world today, but I want to read to you from a man who knew something about being attacked. The Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus on spiritual warfare. He speaks to us today as he did to the church uh, of the Ephesians. He tells us in verse 10 of chapter 6, finally, you know what that means? You know why he starts this context finally? He said, when all the news is over and everyone's opinion has been laid on the table, let me spit some truth at you. This is what we need when all the dust settles. Finally, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Now hear me. That you may be able to stand against the wiles or the craftiness of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, based on that, take unto you the whole armor of God. Now listen, this is where it all boils down for us today and every day of our Christian life. He said, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all. To stand. Stand therefore. Stand having your loins girt about with truth. Stand having on the breastplate of righteousness. Stand with your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all stand. Taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts. How many? All the fiery darts of the wicked. And standing, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. God, bless the reading of your word. May we stand in your presence. May we stand in your power. God, may the world not see us, but see Jesus through us today. In his name, amen. Today I want to preach to you the message, stand. Stand. Just stand. We get into this routine of thinking we got to do something. We got to react. 
God's word tells us as believers, we just need to stand. He tells us in Ezekiel, he looked for someone to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. God is looking for standers today, not sitters. We are to come and stand before the very presence of God in the, in the blessedness, uh, blessedness of his strength and his spirit and stand in the face of this world. The word stand here in the original language means to abide in, to stand in the Lord, uh, to abide to continue, not to waver, not to be tossed about with every change and wind of doctrine, but to continue, to be present. You're present today. And you stood for prayer. You stood for the singing of the blessed gospel of Jesus Christ. And in just a moment, I'm going to charge and challenge you to stand for the cause of Christ. As we go out into a world, to be present, to be staunch. Listen, he said, pray that I may open my mouth boldly. He said, preacher, you just, don't, you just don't know. I don't like to talk in front of people. I don't like to do that. Moses tried that thousands of years ago. Listen, if God can use a stammering, stuttering tongue of a, an Egyptian killer to lead the Hebrews out of Egypt, God can do anything he wants with you. Be staunch in your stand. It means to be unmoved. I want to ask you, as the old saying goes, if you don't feel close with God, you don't feel as close as you once did with God, who moved? Who moved? For we know God is immutable. God is above all things. He tells us that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh, is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. May we move back to standing for the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, as we look through this scripture, I want you to notice, as we stand, we ought to stand intentionally by standing against some things. First of all, we ought to stand against Satan's methods. We have become complacent we have capitulated and in that we have by simply not standing condoned in a silent majority the acts that goes on in the world we can no longer turn away and not stay standing in the staunch truth that is Jesus Christ and expect the world to get any better. Satan, the Bible tells us, is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. God, the Lord Jesus Christ, told Peter, Satan seeks to have you that he may sift you as wheat. He tells us in this scripture that Satan has many, many crafty methods. That word wiles means methods. What are some of the methods that we ought to stand against? If you look in the first few chapters of Genesis, you'll notice the methods of Satan. He came to Eve with the method of deception. It was a shell game. And there was really nothing under any of the shells. But oh, how he painted a picture. He said, oh, Eve, God just said that you would be like him. Imagine what you could have. Imagine what you could be. If you partake, it's the method of deception. Listen, young people, this world's deceiving you into thinking if you've got money, you've got talent, you've got popularity, you've got all the things, all the trappings of this world, then you will have arrived. You'll be successful. I'm here to tell you today it's deception. It's a hollow lie. Remember now, Satan is the father of all lies. We think in our life, if I can just get to this point, not just teenagers. So if I can just make this amount of money, I'll be all right. Well, then you'll want a nicer car. 
Then you'll want to add something on to your house. And then you'll want to do something else. And then there's, that's why there's such things called second mortgage. Because we're never satisfied. We're never satisfied with the things in this world. Because God never intended us to be satisfied with this world except before deception. God made it all perfect. What did Jesus say? After he had made Eve, he had finished the sixth day and sat down. It is very good. But through the methods of Satan, Eve was deceived. I've been deceived. You've been deceived. We must stand against deception. And sometimes we don't even realize that we teach this stuff. You know, we get on the Osteens, we get on the prosperity gospel preachers and and teachers, but the truth is, in our own life, we think if something is not right in our life, we must have messed up. Or we look at God and say, God, I go to Sunday school. I heard what the preacher said. I've even gone to choir practice. Lord, and you know beyond all things, I even stayed in the nursery. Why? Why is my car broke? Why is my kid doing bad in school? I'm praying. I'm trying to read my Bible through. Why? That's prosperity gospel. God didn't say everything was going to be all right here. But he said he had overcame the world. Doesn't mean problems go away when you serve the Lord. Matter of fact, quite the opposite. Now, all of you who will come back tonight and be blessed, I'm going to tell you something. Man, I went and sat in the Cameron house last Sunday night. And I come away feeling like I'd ate the biggest steak, baked potato. I mean, listen, I was full from the teaching of God's word. When you hear the preeminence of Jesus Christ preached or taught in the power, that, many believe that is the centrality of the entire Bible. The entire Bible. And I looked around, I said, y'all need to remember now, Philip talked for a whole hour next time y'all want to tell me I need to quit. <laughs> and it was wide slap open. And listen, it got really good because at the end, he gave us a Ric Flair, woo! <laughs> and then, ladies, you're studying the book of Philippians. Men are in Colossians. I talk about him all the time. But the Apostle Paul knew something about suffering. He said, in my bonds. In my bonds. He wasn't staying, you know, in a sandals resort when he wrote those things. He was not at Panama City or Walt Disney World. He was locked up for the gospel. We must stand against this deception that we accept what the world says Christianity is. We must stand against these methods. For Adam, it was just sheer disobedience. The method of disobedience. I'll be 53 in 10 days, if I live 10 days. Dad celebrated his 83rd yesterday. And I talked with him on the phone last night, and I, I'll be honest with you, I couldn't help but reminisce a little bit in my mind some of those years of birthdays. And I've, I, I'm not Elvis or Frank Sinatra, because I got a lot of regrets. And when I die, I don't want people to say he did it his way. I want them to say he did it his way. And I think back into some of the greatest regrets of my life or disobedience to my parents. Y'all hear me, young people? That you think you know more? I know you know everything. Wait you get my age. You'll be dumb as a rock. So exercise the fullness of Knowing everything now. Because the older you get, the more you realize you don't know. I guess you just lose it. Because when you're 17, you know everything. The 
But the greatest regret of them all is the disobedience. And it goes to disobeying parents because when I disobeyed my parents, I disobeyed God. When I did not do that which was right, I disobeyed God. It's not just the sin of commission, it's the sin of omission. When we don't do what God said, we are disobedient. It's a method of Satan to destroy you, your family, your church, your community, your schools, your country, and the world. You want to know why America's in the shape we're in? We have disobeyed God. We must stand against this satanic method of disobedience. Not only should we stand against Satan's message, we, uh, methods, we ought to stand against the world's madness. The world's gone mad, hasn't they? I mean, slam crazy. The stuff we hear, the stuff we see. Listen, let me tell you what man said almost 3,000 years ago. The prophet Isaiah said in 520, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Listen, church, we must stand against this world's madness. We've gone start raving mad. People being killed over nothing up home. 25, 30 miles north of my house, uh, my, my, my home growing up, where my family lived, 15 miles from where my brother Chris and his family lives. Where I, I, I first really started deer hunting. In the country, in Polk County, Georgia, a female deputy went to serve a warrant Friday and did not go home. This world's gone mad. Y'all wonder, the world wonders, why police are drawn up, why they act all twitchy and seem rude to you. When you were the run, one running 83 in a 55, you want to wonder why? Because they never know if that next vehicle is going to be that mad person that has a loaded gun in their pocket. They'd like to go home too. How many of you have to worry about that? Every day. We worry about some crazy on the road hitting us. But every single car they pull over, they have to wonder. Is this it? The next house they go to, the next call, is this it? Because the world is mad. Our children, I don't care what school you go to, they go and walk into a mad, mad world every day. Because Satan is doing everything in his power to tear up the next generation. I'm going to tell you, praise be to the God of all mercy who in this place, Friday night, 100, over 150 students spread all across right here and stood at, and heard a, a young man stand and opened God's word to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 and preach grace, preach holiness, preach mercy, preach forgiveness. And we saw over 10 decisions. I'm talking about, you know, I can't judge. You say, oh, yeah, but it was probably most. I'm going to tell you, when, when Ryan said, when I get to three, you just get up and go. You don't go because someone else. I was standing at the back over there. I'd moved. And we had youth workers standing over there and in the back and ready. He said, I don't count three. If God spoke to your heart, get up and move. Find a leader. No hesitation. Don't wait and see if someone else. One. To, I, I was speechless. It exploded. People all over in this group and that group, and this, this bunch and that bunch and this age and this age and this color and this color got up Amen. and came to the cross. Amen. Don't tell me God's not still in control. That's 
world's mad. Mad. When we, listen, do you understand how intellectually dumb and dishonest it is to try to claim that the world exists in all of its complexity out of a random explosion where some light source hits some punch and it's a bunch of possible if, that, this. In the beginning, God. A clear statement. Not a question, not a theory, not a hypothesis. Fact. In the beginning, God. And in this world, they keep throwing all this junk at us, even to the point that some uh, uh, in religious crowds will say, yeah, I believe God created, but God just lets us do whatever. And they call it in a religious intellectual setting, theistic evolution. I've got news for you. God's just as sovereign and in control as he was the day he spoke it into existence. God's not lost control. Man, I'm telling you, if I've ever felt in the days of my life, like at any moment Jesus is coming back, boy, I've felt it this week. And may I also say I echoed the prayer of the great John the Beloved, even so, Lord, come quickly. Every day as we pray in Jesus' name, amen, you may want to just throw in a Maranatha right there. Maranatha, Lord, come, Lord, come, even now. May you be glorified in everything. And the world's going mad. I, I can't, I, I've, I've got fed up too. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I'm fed up. I'm fed up. I'm fed up with the music. I'm fed up with the athletes. I'm fed up with the news. I'm fed up with it all. If I have to just go get in a chair and sit in my backyard and stare at pine trees, it would be more beneficial to me than the trash that's being thrown at me everywhere else. I spent some time yesterday morning with several guys in the church. Man, just enjoying being together as Christians. There wasn't no worldliness. There wasn't no filth. There wasn't no vileness. It was fellowship. It was real Christian brotherhood. Serving together, playing together, worshiping together. And, and for just a little short while on a Saturday morning, I didn't have to hear nothing about standing, kneeling, bowing over, stand, uh, protesting. We just played golf. world's gone mad. Be careful now. Be careful. You can stand for the right thing the wrong way. Y'all on social media know what I posted last night. And you'll notice I didn't, I didn't attack anybody because I had to pray all day over that. And I'm not trying to make this social, but hear me today. I came to the point that I had to write something because I refused to let my son... My players and my coaches' integrity be impugned. I'm not going to let the people that I know, that I know, stand for what's right. My, these students, these students that circled a flagpole and pray, and that's my point. I thought, how many complaining stand every day when they get to the job and the first thing they do in the morning is put their hand over their heart and pledge to the American flag? Because after we prayed on see you at the pole morning, I know they did it at Pinewood. I know they did it at Claxton. Our students of Evans County stopped where they were because that's what I heard our principals say at Claxton. Stop wherever you are and face the flag for the Pledge of Allegiance. And we were still, many of us outside, and every kid, not one moved, every one of them, no matter what, stopped and turned toward the flag, put their hand over their heart, and pledged the American flag. How many complainers do that? 
I got news for you. I ain't got no, no use for a spoiled millionaire that don't even know what they're protesting. But listen, church, be careful. Be careful how you stand for right because you may stand the wrong way. It does nothing for the cause of Christ to be ugly, to be hateful, and to lower yourself to fight in the same mud they're fighting in. Jesus is better than that. Stand against the madness. I digress. Stand against people's meanness. People just mean, ain't they? Y'all ever had somebody that's just mean? Just a little bit. I wonder what I'd ask people to know you and me. That's oh yeah, I know, I know a couple of old cats, they pretty mean. If anybody knows how mean this world is, the Jews do. Now immediately, what's the first thing you thought of? Holocaust, right? But before the Holocaust of the 30s and 40s, the world had hated Jews for centuries. Matter of fact, we go back to the second book of the Bible. And we see God hearing the prayers of the Hebrew children. And they're standing outside the cities of Egypt. They're standing on the brink of the Red Sea. And like the old song said, you couldn't go over it, couldn't go around it. Couldn't go under it. There was no hope in this world. And bearing down on them was the finest army of the day. The Egyptians. With none other than Pharaoh leading the charge. Now, imagine how mean he would have been had he been able to get to his own son died. He had absolutely every motivation to wipe the Hebrews off the face of the earth. But just like the failure of Hitler and the failure of Stalin and the failure of the Crusaders and the failure of the Inquisitions and the failure of every other and the Muslims ultimately, so was the failure of the Egyptians. And here's what Moses said. Ephesians, I mean, Exodus 14, 13. Y'all ready for this? This is one of Becky's mama's favorite verses. She quoted all the time. And she'd know that we was going through a trial or something in our life. She'd call me out of the blue. Man! I said, yes, Gene. She'd say, you know what God's word said in Exodus 14, 13? Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of God. Love you, bye. But you know what? We don't need commentary on that, do we? Stand still and see the salvation of God. When's the last, we get all flustered and worried and wringing our hands and planning and strategizing and what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about this? And how are we going to protest this? And how are we going to boycott this? When what we ought to do as the body of Christ, knowing he is the head, as we heard, that he is the preeminent, that he is God, just stand still and see him work. I am more energized today, not by the negativity, but by the power of an almighty God that I know is greater than the sea before us and the enemy behind us. That's why I'm excited. Oh, boy, the preacher's wound up this morning. Listen, God had to bring me through it this week. Because I felt just like the Hebrews. I felt like there was no way around it, no way over it. It's just the world collapsing down around us everywhere we turn. And God said, just stand still. I can't tell you how many sermons I started, wadded up, and threw it in the trash this week. Because I'd be all like, this is going to be good right here. 
God said, nope, nope, nope. John testified, my trash can was probably fuller than it's been in a while. We need to stand against people's meanness. What did he tell us right here? We wrestle not, not against flesh and blood. Stop personalizing it. Problem is, they're dis- deceived. They are disobedient. What we've got to understand is God's grace is greater. Just keep standing. Be that reflective light of Jesus Christ in a dark, dark world. Listen, not only should we stand against the methods of Satan and the world's madness, stand in the face of people's meanness, but we need to stand for something. It's been said for many years, the world knows what Baptists are against, but they never hear what we stand for. We're against this, we're against that, and we're against sin. Let's, let's just stop categorizing, let's just ball it all up. If we truly are for the Lord, then we're against sin. But what are we standing for? What are we standing for? Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, things that are just, things that are pure, lovely, things are of good report, things that are, if any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. Martin Luther the father of the Reformation, as he stood at the Diet of Worms, having nailed his 95 Theses to the door of the cathedral, the basilica there in Wittenberg, being indicted and being questioned and put on trial in front of the entire religious world, said, here I stand, I can do no other. For I will stand on the word of God. I will not stand on what the Pope says. I will not stand for what the Cardinal says. I will not stand for what the commentators stand, say. I will stand. He had read the book of Romans. Become so heavily good, convicted by the whole idea of work salvation. The selling of relics. The selling of indulgences. And he said, no. It's by Christ alone. By grace. Through faith alone. Here I stand. I can do no other. We need to stand for God's truth. What is truth? Pilate asked. The world has the same intent. What is truth? They don't ask wanting to know. They question the validity of an absolute truth, of an absolute moral. They say that, oh, it's all subjective. It's not objective. I'm here to tell you, Isaiah 48 said, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Y'all with me? We need to stand for God's truth. It's truth. Listen, the truth will stand when the world's on fire. You've heard all kind of talk, but I'm going to tell you something now. I'm here to tell you one day everybody's going to confess it. And they're going to do it just like this. And either you'll do it at the bema seat of Jesus Christ as a son of the living God, or you'll do it before the white throne judgment as God issues his verdict. Depart, for I never knew you. But before you leave, you'll confess Jesus. The Bible tells us that. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Jesus is Lord. We need to stand for God's truth. We need to stand for God's righteousness. Stop looking for a loophole. Stop trying to capitulate. Stop trying to water down the very word. Listen, I'm telling you, there's some places I don't want to read sometimes. Because I know it's going to convict me. When I got to Proverbs this year reading through it, I said, oh, I wonder what God's going to skin me on this time. Because I'm guilty. I fail every day. I'm a terrible, terrible pastor. 
I'm an awful husband. I'm a pitiful father. I'm a failed son and brother. I'm a useless friend. But his grace is greater. Because he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's never left me. He's never forsook me. He's never let me down. We need to stand for God's righteousness, not our own. Can I tell you something today? I love every one of you. Man, I do. In that post you read, I said, I love my community. I love my church. I do. I love all my players. I love my coaches. Enough that I pray for all of them. But you know what? Somewhere I'll let you down. Many of you already managed to do that. It's been almost six years that I have been blessed to be the pastor of this great church. And I've let you down. I've upset you. I've done something, said something, didn't do something. And I thank God for your forgiveness. But you know, greater still, if you got mad, and I pray it don't happen. Oh, I pray it don't happen. But if you ever got mad and said, you know what? He's got to go. My God's still going to be faithful. Paul said, Demas has forsook me, for he loved this present world. Meade wrote in his biography of those men, he said, no, Paul, Demas has not forsaken you. Demas has forsaken Demas. Wow. It left such an indelible mark on my life. Look, I may let all of you down, but if I am not obedient to the Lord, I've let him down and I've let myself down. Stand for God's righteousness. It's going to be tough. I'll get to that in a minute. We need to stand for God's gospel. It's not the number one bestseller on the New York Times list, per se, in, in novels and fiction. It's not in the talking heads of the news or the prognosticators of reality TV. It's not in the fancy little uh, dais with all the women getting together with the latest hip wine and their little fancy coffee cups talking about what the world should be. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Philip said last week, and I, you've heard me say it from this, this pulpit many, many times. You come in my office, you know I got a lot of books. Not as many as I need, probably more than I should. And I love them. I love books. I love to pull down the systematic theology. That's my, that's my gig, okay? That's my thing. Love to read systematic theology and Read of the attributes of God and read about the depth of Christology and pneumatology. And, and as we're going to start studying on Wednesday night, the doctrine of last things, eschatology. But you know when the rubber meets the road, the best book to study the Bible is the Bible. And if you've ever come to that point and said, you know what, I read this scripture here and then I read this scripture here. And, and they seem to go against each other. What do I do about that? Just stop, take a beat deep breath and ask God to give you clarity because if you think they contrast, do you, if you think they overlap, they do not agree, you're wrong. Accept that fact right off the bat. His truth is infallible. It means it's without error and it will never let you down. It is verbal. God spoke it. It is plenary. We've got all we're going to get. We don't need more. We just need to study what we've got. God's gospel. What is that? What does that mean? Number one, God's holy. He's God, we're not. Number two, we're sinners. That's our Christian worldview, right? God created it. Man messed it up. Christ came to redeem it. That is the most simplistic part of it, but that is, that is the umbrella of a Christian worldview. If God created it, God controlled it. 
we messed it up, then we'll understand we need a Savior. We'll understand our ideas are not right. God's ways are much higher than our ways. We'll change our thinking on some things. Listen, God is holy. We are sinners, and Christ died for us. Oh, that our heart song be, I stand, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And wonder how he could love me, a sinner, condemned and unclean. When's the last time you stood in his presence like that? Not just standing and because Matt tells us to stand. Not standing because at the end of the service the pastor says you need to stand. But no, we stand in the presence. Amazed. Amazed in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to stand against some things. We need to stand for God's truth, His righteousness, and His blessed good news. We ought to stand with purpose and passion. He said, having done all, to stand. To stand. Having done all of what? Thinking on all that good stuff I read a while ago out of Philippians. Having put on the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. We ought to stand with purpose. God has a purpose for your life. And it's more than just existing. It's more than just making money. It's more than just marking time. God has an eternal purpose in and through you. You're a world changer. Some of us have not experienced that because we have convinced ourselves. We go back to step one. We've been deceived thinking we're less than what God can use. Look, stand with purpose. If you're going to stand for something, stand with purpose. What is the end game? See, many that are doing the protest now, they're just doing it because somebody else, and it's the cool, hip thing to do. They did it during Vietnam. They're doing it now. If you're going to stand, stand with purpose. Our purpose is Jesus, and that all the world may hear who he is. Stand with passion. How many of you would care much about a message where I just stood and read from a manuscript and talked like this, and just glanced up every once in a while, said, you know, Jesus really loves you. Man, I'm so happy today. Aren't you glad to be here today? Isn't this wonderful? Man, passion, passion. What are you passionate about? What are you, what gives you goosebumps? I'm going to tell you something. Tears running down our face, goosebumps, even telling the story about what happened here Friday night. I'm going to tell you. You couldn't hardly chain me and Andrew and Ryan. You couldn't hardly chain us down in here. Coach Floyd standing over there. Man, he looked like he was ready to run a marathon. He was so excited. Because a lot of these young people, we've been pouring into them for years. What do you have passion for? Stand in it. Stand with it. We ought to stand in faith, believing God is and that he is a rewarder to them that diligently seek him. Listen. If you feel beat down today, you feel like all you do is take L's. You older crowd, that means you lose at everything. You like that, Walter? You like that? We always, man, I feel like all I'm doing is taking L's. Man, I know that feeling. I feel like I can't win at nothing. I mean, I need to get Becky in here with Monopoly so I can win something. I know she can't beat me. She won't play with me. So. Play somebody in checkers. Not Timmy. He'll beat me. You're a victor in Christ. You're a son of 
daughter of the Most High God. Now think, what if the world did come to an end today? What if it comes to an end after you have died on this side? Either way, we're a winner. As children of God, Jesus died and conquered death, hell, and the grave. He is the victor. He is the captain of our salvation. And all we have to do is accept that victory. Stand in it. And then we need to stand in the timing of life. When is that? When is there a time that we don't have to stand? When we're in the hospital, when we're outnumbered, do we, do we not stand when it's an awkward situation? Sometimes we interpret standing in, in the idea of, I got to say something. Not necessarily so. Some of the greatest leaders in this world, you'll never know their name because they never write a book, they're never on TV. They're never famous in religious circles, but they're true heroes of the faith because they stand. Me and Keith were talking about our favorite judges from the Bible last night. Which one did you say was your favorite? Jephthah. The outlaw, Jephthah. You know what my favorite judge was? Many of you could think Samson. Man, Samson had problems. Yeah, he did great things, and there's a lot more wrote about Samson, but it wasn't Samson. My favorite judge, there's only one verse that mentions him. You're never going to guess it. I already told you, cheater. Shamgar. Y'all didn't even know that was there. That's in your Bible. Shamgar, for he slew hundreds of men with an ox goad. I just like the way it sounds. So he's my hero. The dude didn't have to have a gun. He didn't have a sword. He didn't have a bow. He had an ox goad. Look it up. The thing is, he stood. He didn't have the newest technology. He, he, he was not the most educated man, but he stood. All right? Some of those minor prophets, they stood. They, they were shepherds. They were, shepherds were lowest class. They were like sharecroppers. They, they were considered less. But many stood. We need to stand today when it's easy. Amen? Stand when it's easy. You say, well, come on, preacher, that's obvious. No, it's not obvious because that's when, listen, it's not as much in the hard times as in the good times when Satan's coming knocking. Because when things are easy, we stop praying. We stop going to church. We got more money. We can stay away from church more. We can take more trips. We can buy more things. Listen, stand when it's easy. Stand when it's hard. Oh, the world is going to give you a hard time. It's going to seem like everything is caving in. Stand when it's hard. Stand when no one is looking. The greatest test of character is who you are when the lights are off. Stand when no one is looking when you think there's nothing around because ultimately listen we need to stand when everybody's looking stand because there's always always almost somebody watching your life stand for the lord when everyone is looking stand when it's unpopular that's hard because we sometimes want to go along to get along have you ever heard pass and repass but there's a time not to pass. There's a time to be still and stand. Stand when it is unpopular. Stand when it costs you nothing. Just stand for the Lord. Stand when it costs you something. If you serve God, it's going to cost you something somewhere along the line. It's going to cost you friendships. It's going to cost you financially. It may even cost you health. 
I mean, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. He ended up in prison. Peter was crucified. Others were burned at a stake, cut in half. Men and women who have died for the cause of Christ, it cost them their life. Stand when it costs you something. Stand when you're hurting. There's a pain in our spiritual walk that you can't even share with the person you love the most on this side of glory. A pain so deep, the Bible says, you can't not even pray about it. God's Word tells us in Romans 8, 26 and 27 that the Holy Spirit groans for us before Jesus, who in turn takes that petition of our heart when we don't even have words before the very throne of the Most High God. He says all that before he says, and all things work together for good. To them that love God. Listen, stand. Stand when you're hurting. Don't run from God. Oh, oh, church, don't run from God when you're hurting. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Stand when you feel alone. Because you're not. Y'all hear me? Stand when you feel alone because you're not. Stand when you're rejected. Stand when you're tired. Stand when you feel defeated. Stand when you're happy. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus. Ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner. It must not suffer long. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead. Hear this. Till every foe is vanquished and Christ is Lord indeed. Church, we've got to stand. Having done all to stand. And so I challenge you right now, where you're at, to stand for Jesus. And if that means coming to this altar and kneeling at the cross and praying for forgiveness, praying that the Lord Jesus Christ would come into your life and save you, confessing you have no hope without Him. If it's standing in repentance from all the other things. You sat in the lap of luxury, but you're turning from that to stand in forgiveness. If it's to come and take me by the hand and say, Pastor, I want to stand in unity with the body of Christ at Eastside. I'm saved, been baptized, but this is where I belong. This is where my purpose and passion is. You need to come. No music. No music.